What's up, everybody? Welcome to a new episode of the It Doesn't Matter What Your Podcast Is Called podcast. BJ Cruz here with my tag team partner. The man I'm thankful for every day, but will inevitably turn on me like Dakota Kai turned on Tegan Knox, Jeremy Lost. Jay, what's up, dude? The table or the uh, chair shot is coming soon. Yeah, I'm, I'm fully expecting it. I, in in your defense, I have threatened to super kick you through a barbershop window several times. So, at some point, it's going you're you're going to get fed up and uh, you're going to turn. So yeah, and in my defense, you guys, you and our, our good friend Nick have been dragging me for my <laughs> typing speed and and the 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 white claw chug. So yeah, chair shots are coming for both of you guys. I I won't reveal Jeremy's words per minute typing speed. Um, it's it's not bad. It's above average. It's. It, okay. I looked. What, I, what, I did. I did it. So I'm sure you t- looked it up very slowly. I, fuck you. <laughs> well, yeah, I looked course. it up after I dropped the number. I looked it up. I was like, okay, I'm okay, I'm above average. I'm technically fast, but like you mfers are like typing and not even caring about if you're if you're typing out correct words. I actually like, I took that, but that was Nick. I I, I did care. Because when I tried to incorrectly type stuff, it went against my nature as a typist, a typer. Exactly. So uh, I did it correctly, and I scored higher than you. So there's no re- you know, this is another reason that Jeremy's going to turn on me. Uh, <laughs> I'm coming are- for it. I, I'm 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 gonna I'm practicing. This really hurt my soul yesterday. I spent way too much time on this typing test thing. So I'm well, coming we'll, for. We'll tweet out this typing test. I no, we're know, not. No, I want to we know how our our listeners fare. Uh, in comparison to Jeremy and myself, we of course are proudly on the Blue Wire Network, and don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you download your podcasts. And if you're one of our fantastic Apple Podcast users, please rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. And if you're feeling Thanksgiving spicy, leave a review. And make sure you follow us on social too. Twitter is doing a purge, so there's a chance that we may get rid of the zero in our Ooh. in our handle, which is doesn't matter pod. That's pod with a zero. So make sure you follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram at doesn't matter podcast. You can follow myself on Twitter at Jeremy A. Loss, and you can follow Ben at Cruise Control. That's Control with a K. We also still have some stickers left over. That if you if you want a sticker, reach out to us on social, and we'll get it out to you. My son is like hoarding a whole bunch of them right now. So <laughs> um, if you want one. Please let us know, and we'll get those out to you as as soon as possible. And with that, that's going to take us into the main event. And for this week's main event, we are looking back at a big, big, big Survivor Series weekend that happened in Chicago. I was actually in Chicago, but not for Survivor Series, unfortunately. But um, epic weekend nonetheless two huge shows well technically it was actually four shows which is even more insane but two of the big ones obviously was um takeover war games and then survivor series with all that we we're gonna do what we usually do when a, a big show happens or a couple big shows happen i guess uh we're gonna go into what we liked you know we're, we're two positive people in general and then Kinda. we're uh, yes sort <laughs> of uh and then we're gonna talk about what we didn't like so much so let's start with what we did like and what we did like were both war games matches as a whole um which which one just kind of off top which one did you enjoy more oh the women's the women's match okay. was quite possibly the match of the weekend it was Really, really, really good. good. Yeah, was not expecting it to be that good. I was expecting it to be quality, but like the stories that they told, the the moves that they pulled off, everything about it was top notch. And to me, it was just like it it stood above everything else. Uh, also, you had like 
You had Rhea Ripley just become a star this weekend, which is crazy. Um, she's Dude, twenty. She's, she's twenty three. I know. It's so that is, bonkers. That is why at twenty three, I was an idiot. Yeah, you know, she's she's on her way to being one of the, if not the biggest woman star in the game. I know everyone's making their jokes now about Charlotte eventually squashing her or whatever, but man, she is phenomenal. I actually had the that moment uh, in the Survivor Series match. I thought, oh, for sure, like here comes Rhea, she's gonna have her spot, and then here comes Charlotte to squash it. And they actually didn't do that, which I was like really pleased to see. Um, but. Overall, like both Morgan's matches were extremely violent and, and really entertaining. Um, like I said, that women's match—they just told an incredible story. Obviously, you have the Dakota Dakota Kai turn, which everybody expected, but was head and shoulders better than anything that we expected. Like I was just like, we all knew that it was coming, but like they just blew it away. Like her walking out to to go to the ring and then turning back and then attacking. Uh, Tegan Knox in like super violent fashion was just incredible to me. Um, yeah, the moment she stopped on the ramp, I'd audibly said, "Oh my God, she's doing it!" Because <laughs> we'd I, we'd been waiting for it for so long. We assumed it was going to happen during that uh, that War Games Advantage match on NXT uh, or that ladder match, I should say. Mm-hmm. But man, that again, we all saw it coming. Especially after Mia Yim got you know mysteriously attacked and Dakota Kai was finally taking her spot, you knew it was going to happen. But the way that they did it, not technically in the ring in the match. Mm-hmm. Um, oh man, that that was brilliantly put together so shout out to, to both of them tegan sold the shit out of some of those cage hits and that that kind of put it yeah. over the top for me yeah because like you have to make her you have to make dakota look like this really really intense and violent heel and they did that because like she like you said she was selling the shit out of that stuff and uh it, it really did put her over also like in the match bianca belair just really stood out to me outside of Rhea as like a bona fide star. She is so good. Um, she's she's still relatively young, um, but her athleticism, the way that she like interacts with other workers inside the ring, like the way she puts over her heel persona, um, is really just like top notch to me. Uh, I really do think she could be a, a massive star for this company going forward. Um, and then you also have the Io Shirai. Fucking moonsault off the top off of the cage. The top, holy shit! Big ups to Candice, and I want to say it was Kaylee Ray who like protected her coming down because I mean they did an excellent job of making sure that Io didn't get hurt because that's a dangerous spot. Um, and especially given the trajectory that Io has on her moonsaults, like they're mm. not, she doesn't go super high. Hers are more of like a line drive. Yeah, and so especially from that high up you had to protect her even more than a usual one or a regular one, I guess you should say. But man, that, that was an amazing spot. Mm-hmm. She's, she's friggin' incredible to watch. Yeah. I also really liked the finish for the women's match. I liked how they, they had Rhea in trouble in the Coquina clutch. Um, and then she was able to actually put the, the handcuffs on Shayna and then slam her. And I thought that was just an excellent way to finish it. Um, and, and for them to win four versus two was, cr- was crazy. And then in the ma- the men's match, I think you can say that the men's match didn't tell a great story, but in terms of pure chaos, it was up there with anything. I mean, that was just madness yeah, from think, start to finish. I think a lot of it was overshadowed by the fact that you didn't know who the fourth member of Team Ciampa was until, you know, a little later into the match. And obviously, it being KO was amazing. Like, that pop that he got, I've watched it a couple of times since Sunday, 
And my God, that pop that he got was ridiculous. Um, it was it, like, he, I would say like a notch below a Stone Cold pop. Like easily, that was huge. Easily. And, you know, I think that has helped them. I mean, we'll talk about this a little bit later, but I think that has helped them realize that, yo, we can turn Seth right now because we got KO. Um, and because the pops, like, no, not even the Fiend is getting that pop right mm-hmm. now. You know, and that, that to me, that was the moment of the weekend, um, just because the the crowd reaction, obviously, you know, they had teased that it was going to be a, a possible big fourth member. Some people throw a John Morrison, but man, KO in that spot was, oh my God, that that, that was awesome. So I, I do think the match was a little bit, um, you know, to your point, it, it, there was, you know, something hovering over it where you were like, you were focused more on that than what was actually happening in the match, especially because Undisputed Era has been in war games previously. Mm-hmm. So you were like, they've been right, in every okay. war games, correct? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you're like, I've seen them before, but now I'm kind of interested interested to see in what the unknown is. Yeah, and like, I think there's a problem when it comes to these war games matches is on the production side of things. I think there's so much going on that a lot of it is missed, or a lot of it just kind of like comes into your screen without any kind of warning like a, a lot of the men's match you you'd be watching something and, and they would be focusing on two individuals uh doing something whether it's like dominic Djokovic punching kyle o'reilly into the ropes like six times which was hilarious but like all of a sudden you would see like keith lee like fly across your screen and hit somebody through a table and it was just like it was chaotic and it was a little bit hard to follow and you didn't know what they were actually trying to tell within the ring outside of maybe the last like three minutes um and, and, you know, I think, like, that's just the structure of the match, right? And that might be why, long-term, it didn't work, you know, in WCW. Because, again, it, it is super chaotic. And now, I mean, in, if you watch the, the old WCW versions, the it just seems a little smaller. And maybe that's just me, you know, when I was a kid, that shit looked huge. Um, and then now... It's, it's a little bit different, but the rings, uh, their setup that they have at takeovers, it just seems a little bit more spread out, and it's, it's just hard to keep up. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know how sustainable it is to keep having these matches because, again, you're right. It is super chaotic, and we're getting to a point now where we've almost seen everything that you can do, like diving off the, off the top of the cage is crazy. Um, the the ending of the actual match with Champa and Cole, which we'll we'll get to a little bit later, um, you know that like that was insane. So it is getting to the point where it's it's like the dunk contest in the NBA, where you're like you feel like you've seen it all, and maybe mm-hmm. next year they'll they'll come up with another spot, and, and that's something that they are constantly thinking about. I do think um, War Games in, in its structure as a match kind of has like a law of diminishing returns to it, where you know you're gonna get desensitized to to it. Right, it's almost it's it's feeling a little hell in a cellish. <laughs> yep, you're getting to a point now where like the talent is pushing themselves to do things that are new and interesting, and those new and interesting things are extremely dangerous. And we'll talk about that a little bit more later. Um, I, I I do think I, I agree with you. I think there's there is there's going to come a point where they probably need to shift away from this, or at least make it a little bit more of a a rarity. Where like maybe they do war games every two years or every three years or something like that every year. We're, we're already running out of stuff. And to go to, to go back to your point about the WCW days, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't the cage have a roof in the WCW days? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was So, uh, like, that's probably like a, why it felt a little bit more confined and, and smaller. Right. Um, but, I mean, they may need to fi- figure out ways to, to spice it up a little bit or, or go away from it. Maybe they bring in Hell in a Cell for, for NXT. It also uh, might just need to be no more Undisputed Era in there. You know, True. I, I know that that's 
sucks to say because they're obviously the biggest group in NXT and you want to see your biggest stars in that big match. But again, they've been in every War Games match since they brought War Games back. So there is that fami- even more of a familiarity and maybe it's just time to switch that up. I don't, and, I don't and know. And that might have been the benefit that might have like benefited the women's match because like you had all new competitors in that exactly yeah. that environment. So you had to see like what are they going to do here? Um, so yeah, I, 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 I agree. Like I think there, there's going to come a time where they may need to, to adjust it. So moving on to another thing that we really, really liked, and it's NXT related, but it's on obviously it's on the Survivor Series card. Adam Cole versus Pete Dunne was freaking incredible. Oh, I mean, man. those two guys are great in the ring. Um, and I was really, really surprised that they got the amount of time that they got on Survivor Series and then and in the position that they were put. Like, I was fully expecting, okay, Vince is going to put this, this match on the pre-show and he'll get five to 10 minutes and it got close to 15 and they were in heart and they were in the heart of the survivor series card and man they did not disappoint i th- I think vince at this point has to be huge on cole right like he he carried essentially the whole company during that whole saudi arabia fiasco and everyone kind of getting you know recalibrated back to to the states and you know you could just see then that cole is already a star and I think Vince is starting to see that even more again it, that there's that's both good and a little bit scary <laughs> given how NXT talent sometimes tends to flounder once Vince gets his paws on them mm-hmm. but man it like that finish was I think world class I, I think yeah you tweeted it from from our account world class man like I didn't realize that it had been reversed <laughs> like uh, when he hit him with the Panama and then uh, the last shot, obviously, you know, getting into the last shot was amazing, but that, that finish was spectacular. I mean, he hit the Panama there and he hit the Panama on the apron and it was just like, that stuff's so cool to me. Uh, I think Vince is starting to realize what a lot of people have thought about Adam Cole for a very long time is that he's the second coming of Shawn Michaels. Uh, like the true sh- second coming of Shawn Michaels, not Dolph Ziggler. Like I think he has... He has the persona. He has the move set. He just has that cocky attitude that could really get over with a mainstream audience. I think, I think it now is the time to really push him to the moon and and let him let him shine. I think he's just world class. I mean, he's so good on the mic, in the ring. Everything about him is is world class. So I think Vince is starting to realize that, and and really they they got time to shine and they they performed. They really put on probably the match of Survivor Series. Yeah, to be honest and, with you. Uh, you know, he's in Shawn Michaels' class over at NXT. He talks mm-hmm. about that all the time when he's interviewed. And you can just tell that, you know, the, that Shawn Michaels vibrato is just mm-hmm. rubbing off on him. Uh, you yep. Know, he, and he has, like, the super kick. He has the long hair and, you know, the, the athleticism. He, I think he's better than HBK was on the mic. Like, I, HBK is my That's favorite yeah. wrestler of all time. Um, but you know, he, there were, there were times where he would come off a little too corny yeah. <laughs> on the mic, but he, again, in the ring unmatched Cole has that total package. And I think he's really starting to come into his own as, as someone who can eventually be the face of WWE, which is crazy to think about, but at the same time, not so much, right? Because he, he just keeps proving over and over again that he is the guy. Yeah. I, I think now's the time to really do it. I, it's especially with like everything with, I mean, you have Kevin Owens too, like, and and they're really good friends. And, and and Adam Cole is thirty years old. Like, now is the time to really push him. Like, you can't wait another two, three years when like his body predictably starts to break down. Like, I think now is the time. And maybe you can have that 
that layout that you had during the Attitude Era where you have Cole in that HBK role like leading a, a faction. And then you have KO being your anti-hero. And those are your two stars that you really just get behind and, and roll and see and see what you got. You know what I mean? So Yeah, yeah. I like that comparison. So now's the time. And, and, and I think Pete Dunne also has a really, really bright future in the company. He can kind of lead that UK invasion. So we'll see. These guys really performed when the bright lights were shining. I think it was awesome. And then you have the Roddy, AJ, Nakamura match, which was good. Um, I thought they got the time that they really needed to do to tell a pretty good story. And then obviously the finish was a shocker. I was not expecting Roddy to go over. Um, came out of nowhere. I like that he stole the pin uh, yeah, for the win. Chicken shit move. I like. Yeah, I loved it. Um, and, and, and all three of those guys are pros, so they really did a really a, a solid job. Um, and and I, I think Roddy is in an interesting spot. I don't think he can be a like a main main event player on the main roster. I think he's more of a mid card. Uh, champion if you if but, but that's not a bad thing it's I mean, not given, a bad thing given his before he joined undisputed era he easily could have gotten lost in the shuffle right like he was kind of going down that path and then mm-hmm. when he turned when he turned on pete dunn um i, I forgot which takeover it was but I, th- I think it was a takeover before mania last year or, or sorry two years ago mm-hmm. anyway uh when he did that man he, he just kind of went to another level and like being a mid-card champion not the worst thing in the world, right? There's there's a lot of guys who just kind of don't get title shots um, and, and just kind of survive in like the tag team division and only to lose it lose the titles, you know, soon thereafter. So yeah, he's in he's in a good spot. Really, he's in a really really good spot. Yeah, I mean, this kind of leads into our next point. It's just like NXT as a whole this whole weekend and especially on Survivor Series really did um, like take this event to the next level for me. Everybody had a strong showing. I thought it was great that they were able to put it on. It kind of muddled some matches. I mean, we'll talk about the Survivor Series matches later, but like just them thrusting NXT into this really kind of brought it up another level to me. And obviously Rhea and Adam Cole were the stars of the weekend and and showed that WWE has like a really, really bright future with the, with some really, really young talent that they can move forward with. And again, I, I believe we talked about this on the preview show, but... I thought that NXT was going to win the night. You know how they keep track of all the mm-hmm. matches? And it just made so much sense because if you're trying to put NXT over as an equal brand, you needed you needed to put them super over. And they mm-hmm. did. Like It wasn't even a close – I think it was like 4-2-1 and one or something like that in, in mm-hmm. terms of the match, match win comparisons. So that was just the smart thing to do. And to put, you know, people like Rhea Ripley and Adam Cole um, – on the main pay-per-views on the main pay-per-view i'm sorry was was just you know ingenious because now you've got people who are going to tune in on wednesdays and that's where you know the wednesday night wars is a big deal no matter how you know both companies can say that it's not as much you know until they're blue in the face but it is a big deal and to for wwe to essentially use survivor series as an advertising tool for nxt was just really smart yeah, it was smart for them to put it over because it, it does add that extra validity to NXT going into the Wednesday Night Wars, like you said. I think you can also point, like, you can point to Keith Lee and Matt Riddle having a really, really strong weekends. Keith Lee got the, the huge, one of the biggest rubs of all weekends yeah. with Roman Reigns. I mean, he, having him in the final, or the final, like, in the, uh, the end of the Survivor Series going for Soul Survivor, like, that, that was great. His powerbomb on Roman was in. 
insane. That's an amazing move, by the way. Yeah, it's so Incredible. cool. And, like, I just love that they gave him that rub because he's not a young man. Like, I think he's mid-30s. Like, now is the time for him to really get his money. And, like, I would love to see him on the main roster, well, quote-unquote main roster. I would love to see him on SmackDown and Raw because I think he has the personality and I think he has the drawing power to really become a star there. And you put him in there with Roman. You put him in there with Braun, Braun or, yeah. or King Corbin. Man, it's going to be that's, – that's money. He like, almost, that's so good. He almost got the rub that Roman got when he was still in the Shield and finished, like, in the top four of the Rumble. Remember when mm-hmm. everyone was rooting for Roman to win the Rumble that year before mm-hmm. they inevitably turned on him? Uh, so, I, you know, and Keith Lee was – he was getting a lot of these during all the invasion angles. Like, he was the guy diving mm-hmm. over the top rope, getting that crazy spot and that crazy pop. Um, and, yeah, I, I think he's – he's – going to be on Raw or SmackDown sooner than later because I, I do think he I, – I mean, more so SmackDown than Raw because I think they do need bigger dudes like that uh, for, the, for the mainstream audience. But, man, he, he really shined as well. You know, not to, take any, like, not to take anything away from him. Obviously, we're heaping praise on Rhea Ripley and Adam Cole, but Keith Lee, like a small notch below them in terms of people whose stock rose over the weekend. Yeah, and I think there was a report – uh, last week where it's like Vince McMahon is really high on Riddle and Keith Lee. So I think this kind of showed it because, I mean, even in the Survivor Series match, like Riddle had that moment with, with Randy Orton that could potentially lead to something if they put Riddle on Raw. Yeah. Like, that'd be cool. Um, hopefully they, Orton would put him over. But, like, I think there's there's signs. Signs are starting to show that, like, there may be a shift here coming soon where we may be getting a little bit more of an uh, influx of NXT talent up to Raw or SmackDown to kind of bring those back up, and then we may get a new wave of talent into the NXT. I mean, uh, they have they're they're adding all these performance centers around the world, right? And mm-hmm. you know, they're they're teasing NXT Japan. They they would have NXT UK. So NXT isn't going anywhere, but you know, Raw and SmackDown do need that influx of of these new faces and this next generation of stars. Because look, Seth Roman. Um, you know, Braun, like these guys are still going to be mainstays, but we do need an injection of some new life um, on those two shows specifically. Like NXT is, I think now has, you know, a, a big rub from this weekend and, and they'll continue to survive. But I think this was, you know, to, to, to your point, um, really good for Raw and SmackDown because of it. I think for sure a lot of these guys and girls are going to end up on both of the shows. Yeah. All right. So let's move on. We got a couple more things to go into of what we liked um, we had the Riddle Balor match uh, on Takeover. It was good. It wasn't great. Um, it told to me. It told a solid story, and I really, really love what Finn Balor is doing as a heel. Um, and I'm excited to see what they can do with him. Uh, obviously, they need to keep him in the main event picture. But like right now, I think for for the NXT t- title, it's going to be Ciampa versus Cole. So you have to have somebody that can kind of level with, stay on his level. And I'm, I'm I'm kind of confused as to who that could be. Do you have any ideas or any thoughts of like who could potentially be next for Balor at this point? I mean, point? next. I mean, I'm assuming Djokovic, uh, Keith Lee, maybe. Um, I mean, those are two of the guys who are technically faces of the, in in that company right now, right? That are in Matt Riddle. I mean, at, at some point, Gargano is going to come back. Um, yeah, that makes injury, sense. And, and they're going to pick that feud back up. But I, um, I hate to agree with you, <laughs> but Finn as a heel is is chef's kiss dude like mm-hmm. he i love that fact that he's not doing coup de gras anymore i always thought you know he needed a non-aerial finisher yeah. um so and his finisher is i mean it's 
basically what is it called it's a um, it's a 1917 ddt right yeah and it's oh, 1917 like, I, I, or 1916 i love i love ddts in general but i just love ddts that have some sort of alteration to them right um and that's not like a double arm ddt i think a double arm ddt is kind of stupid i think a single arm ddt is probably way more effective just like the way that it looks anyway but yeah i love the fact that they've essentially taken away finn's baby face finisher and mm-hmm. given him like a heel one um, yeah so that, that that was just a really smart thing to do and again he's like yeah riddle lost but being again being in the ring with finn um takes his you get that rub up yeah exactly so the, yeah it was a it was a really really solid match and given the amount of time they had to build that i think they did a really solid job uh t- to you know to provide some sort of payoff yeah, it's a to clarify, it's a 1916 DDT. There you so go. You're off, um, but yeah, they. I mean, they 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 were able to put together a really solid match and a, a pretty solid story in a short amount of time because obviously they were going toward Finn versus Gargano. So for them to kind of <clears throat> bring that together in the last minute and put together a pretty solid match was is a testament to both of them in the ring. Uh, and I, I I do agree with you, Finn. Finn's in ring work. As a heel is so much better. I love the fact that he didn't come out as a demon. I think this was the first takeover where he wasn't the demon. Um, they keep calling him the prince now. Yeah, they, yeah. I mean they're they're fantastic. fully embracing the new, the new Japan stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and, and I love that he wasn't like doing. You know how he usually does the light thing where he'll he'll spread his arms out, the lights will go up, and then he'll turn around yeah. and do the lights again. Yeah, they'll yeah. show the crowd. Like he wasn't doing that. He did it once or twice, but for the most part, he was really acting as a heel, and I love that. Uh, he was telling the story from start to finish, and, and he did a really good job. His his in ring work was also a little bit more violent and a little bit more aggressive. So, um, I I think Finn versus Gargano would be great, especially at uh, at the next takeover, which is I think February eighth in Portland, which uh, uh, we're we, going to. We're yeah, going we might to. have to make a trip. <laughs> um, so yeah, I I really do like what they what they did there. And then lastly, the the last big thing that I liked. Um, was Brock versus Ray, which is better than I expected. Um, and that's in large part because of what they did with Dominic. Uh, for him to come out and tease the MJF towel situation, I was like, oh, no, they're going to do the MJF. They're gonna, he's going to throw in the towel, and then he's going to turn. And they went the opposite direction. I mean, he they ended up teaming together, and they did the double 619. Dominic did the frog splash, and I was like, man, this is emotional because – I mean, obviously, like his connection with Eddie and for him to do the frog splash. And they really, I really thought this is it. This is how he's going to win the title. And they got it so close. And then Brock clicked out, kicked out and then just went on a rampage. But I thought they told a really, really solid story with a match that a lot of people weren't expecting much from. I mean, yeah, given that it was a street fight or it was no holds barred, I guess, I, I, you know, everyone assumed Dominic was going to be involved, especially since he was the impetus for this feud even taking off. So, it was cool to see his involvement. I was still secretly hoping for a turn. I don't know why. I don't know what's wrong with me. I want Dominic to turn on the ranks so bad. He will. He I, will. Yeah, and, and he probably will. Um, his frog splash, if I could be a little critical, didn't look that great. He didn't really do the pump, the midair pump. So I was. it just looked like a regular splash. Get out of um, here, man. He, no, Ray does it. Uh, Montez Ford does it. He, and KO does it. You got to do the pump. Otherwise, it's a regular splash. It's a Jimmy Superfly Snuggest splash. So... Look, Eddie Guerrero was uh, like the goat at it, and he he pumped every time. So look, Dominic, you gotta learn from your father. And Jesus, you get a pump. man. 
<laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Rey Mysterio is for sure his dad. Um, yeah, <laughs> it, it was a it was a pretty solid match. Again, I'm I'm pretty. I wasn't too into this this match just because I'm not a big Brock guy. I've become and I'm not a huge Ray guy either. Um, so, it, but that being said, it was surprising and I did actually enjoy a little double six one nine that they had going on Brock. I thought that was a, that was a cool moment and for Brock to even sell that for Dominic, who's like nowhere even close to being a pro yet. Uh, I thought that was people that was talk really shit cool. about Brock, but man, that guy sells. He, he sells. He, he sells his ass off, and that's something that I've always had respect for. Because like he can easily just be like, "I'm going to go full Braun Strowman and no sell shit." And yeah. like he really tries to make everybody that he's in the ring with. If if he's taking a bump, he's he's taking a bump. You know what I mean? Like he's trying to make everybody look like a million bucks. So that's something you gotta you gotta respect Brock for. Like he's getting put in this situation by higher ups, and like they're they're making him look like this unbeatable heel. But like when it comes to in in the ring work, like he does his he does his job, so hate on Brock half all you want. But half the man. game, half the game is selling, right? We just have, we just have to remember that. That's the more important part in my yeah, opinion. Like exactly. selling is so much more important than than actually putting on a move because you need that other person to make it look good. And man, he does that. Like he really yep. sold that double six one nine. He sold those those frog splashes and uh, big ups to him because like he he could easily just say no fuck that I'm not doing that. Like he can go full Hulk Hogan and say, "No, brother. Like I'm not. I'm not taking those bumps." And like he's he's trying his best to make sure that everybody is looking as strong as possible when they're in the ring with him. Absolutely. All right, it's time to uh, be a classic wrestling podcast and t- talk about the things we didn't like so much from the Takeover Survivor Series weekend. So uh, I guess I'll I'll start off. The Survivor Series matches the weren't all that good. No. Um, like they were fine. They just kind of they were like they were kind of a snooze fest. We 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 see multi man multi women tag matches like all the time now. So this has kind of lost its luster a little bit. There's nothing really at stake. I know like the brand supremacy thing. Like they can talk about that all they want. Why why should I care about that? I'm gonna watch all three shows anyway. Yeah. You know? So that that was a uh, I I think we did pick Roman going over uh, last show right? Yep. That's so. Th- I did. That I was happy Specifically, about. I did. Not you. Well, I think you should go back and listen. And I think I, I picked Roman <laughs> as well because I said he's going to be in the main title picture. So listen to your own show, my friend. Uh, <laughs> but, no, yeah, the, the matches themselves were just kind of whatever. And, you know, hate to kind of go back and talk about what we talked about on a previous show. It's just these matches need stakes aside from bragging rights. Mm-hmm. Like, there, there just needs to be something more for these guys and girls to win for – us as as the viewers to care about it right mm-hmm. because at the end of it like i look at that you know th- as cool as it was to see nxt kicking everyone's ass and like again them getting the rub essentially like that's it right and like and now nothing else happens from that so if it's going to be a big four pay-per-view there needs to be big four uh stakes, stakes so yeah yeah, I would agree. These are these are a bit of a mess when it comes to storytelling, and I think in large part, like these ones were really hindered by the fact that there was fifteen people, like in the yeah. ring, needed to get <laughs> exactly fifteen people needed to get spots. So that's a lot to actually work with, and it, at some point, it just becomes a hodgepodge of like what uh, of whatever you're trying to do. So um, it was hindered by that. Um, I think having NXT go over on the women's side of things made a whole bunch of sense, and I think I called that um, humble brag there. Um, and then we'll, like we'll, we can check the tape. 
<laughs> no, I think you're right. I, I called that shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> um, and then, like, the other thing is, like, you have NXT UK talent, like, top-tier talent just getting shit on in both these matches. That, Walter, was, that was a big bummer. That was a Walter big is, like, one of the most overstars. People were going crazy for him. And he goes out first. And he doesn't even do it. Like, I think he had a chance to do a chop, and it, was, it wasn't connecting right. And he didn't have a moment. Like, you need to have a moment where he's with somebody and he's chopping the shit out of them for a good like three minutes like just let him do his thing but they had him go out first tony storm didn't go out first in the women's match but she didn't shine at all like they, they buried they didn't her. even really give tony storm like a proper introduction she just kind of showed up on smackdown right yeah <laughs> like she was she was officially part of the team but there was no big reveal that she was actually part of it and which was unfortunate because i think she would have gotten a you know a legit pop for that so that that was already a bad omen you know so mm-hmm. it, yeah it, it was a very strange usage of both of them and hopefully we can just kind of the, the, like walter's the freaking nxt uk champion like that was that was an awful way for the top guy in that brand to go out it was it was that was super short-sighted um, yeah and unfortunate. I, I, there were so many other options for them to go out first and for him to be the one it just didn't make a whole bunch of sense so moving on another thing that we didn't like is and I hate to say this, this really pains me, and I was really sad about this on Twitter on Sunday. Fiend, Bra- Fiend Daniel Bryan, that damn fucking red light is driving me nuts. Like, can we just not have that, please? I don't understand. I just want. I want. I want to know who thinks it's a good idea, and, and, and like, it, it's probably Vince, right? But there has to be someone else. Who is like, yes, this is a good idea. And I would love to have them on the show because I just want to ask them one question. And that question is why? <laughs> because it's... you can't see it. You can't enjoy the match. And you're, you're taking away from the Fiend character. Like, he yeah. doesn't need the red light. Like, put him in regular lighting and he's going to be just as good, if not better, because everyone can actually see and not, everyone's not having a freaking seizure watching this match. It's It's such a bizarre bizarre choice by them and someone back there just keeps thinking it's a great idea and someone has like some money invested in somebody has some money invested in red lighting (laughs) in a red light startup that just it that's the only way it makes sense because like to be honest it's it's automatically putting the talent at a disservice because they are people are already upset when they see that red light stay on that the, the talent is having to work twice as hard to make that match go over and the last couple matches with the fiend they just haven't been able to do that and get out from the shadow of this red light and it's driving me nuts because he is really good and the match was pretty good yeah the match itself was actually decent (laughs) it was just it was it's so hard to get over that hump and that or that visual hump anyway of fully enjoying it yeah and i will also also say that they're telling the exact same story with every fiend match like they really are telling they need to spice it up like I think they need to bring out at some point Bray in in the Mister Rogers sweater needs to wrestle a match, and then maybe change it in the Fiend mid match. We just got we had a, you know, small alterations with the Fiend. We can't get tired of him no selling everything, right? Like yeah, he, if they if they want him to no sell and make him look like a monster, just have him squash somebody. Right. Like there's no need to have him no sell. Like that just doesn't do anything. Just if you want him to be a monster and you want him to look unbeatable. Just let him squash somebody. Have him go not, full Brock and just yeah. mandible, mandible claw in like 15 seconds. It's not that hard. It. Like people, I don't think people would be mad at that because then it's just showing that he's a monster. Like yeah. if you're no-selling it, then you're going to be like, 
when somebody does finally beat him, you're going to go, well, why is that so special? What, what, what separates that from Daniel Bryan's knee or Seth Rollins' stomp? Like, it diminishes those ones. You know what I mean? So, like, yeah. let's just have him squash people and make it a little bit easier on yourself. They're overthinking this. That's the big thing for me is, like, they're really, really overthinking this character. And I think it's, in large part, I think it's Vince just trying to make sure that he is has as much of a control on it as possible rather than letting Bray just be Bray. I mean, letting him run with it. Yeah, I mean, that was very evident from the very first, or not the very first Fiend match, but the Hell in a Cell match with Seth, right? Like, that match should have been very clear, cut, and dry, right? Fiend Mm -hmm. wins pretty quickly. Um, Or, I mean, fine, let Seth get in some offense, but then Fiend demolishes him. And, again, they they super overthought that one. So you already knew that what they're doing back there with him, it's it's not great, (laughs) Right, they had to go all the way to Saudi Arabia to rectify that horrifying ending at, at Hell in a Cell, mm-hmm. and like they've more or less fixed it uh, in terms of kind of getting or putting him over, getting him or getting him even more over. But again, they need to spice it up now. And, well, two things: get rid of the red light. That's priority number one. <laughs> and yeah. then they got to figure out a way to spice up the character so it's not the same. You know, like he terrorizes his opponents. He's and again, like the the Brian thing. It wasn't like Daniel Bryan challenged him. Like he went and found Daniel Bryan, just randomly started terrorizing him, and all of a sudden he's in the Universal Title picture. So they got they got to work on the storytelling aspect of this a little bit. Um, I, I, <laughs> I as as weird as that sounds, because they've done everything mostly right with the Fiend. They just need to fix this this little thing that's that's not going so great. Yeah, I, I, it's it's. It's an easy fix, in my opinion. So yep. we'll see what they can, what they do. And then, so another thing that we weren't really high on were the tag team matches over over Survivor Series weekend. In large part, and I mean the big one to me was that cross branded battle royale that was on the pre show Survivor Series. What a mess that was! That was impossible to follow. They had some trophy that really didn't make any sense, or they really didn't really pump up all that much, so it just was there. And then you have Dolph Ziggler and and uh, Robert Roode go over on fucking Street Profits? On the Street Profits, who are... What? Like the hottest well, tag team in the game right now? My it's God. like, what are we doing here? Like, it just made zero sense. The match was a complete mess. Um, and then, for me, the triple threat match, uh, Viking Roar Raiders of whatever versus new day versus undisputed era was was solid but it wasn't it it lacked something for me um triple threat triple threat tag matches in general are a little rough because yeah there's a there's a lot there's again there's six people who are all facing each other there's just too much going on as opposed to a straight up tag match where there's you know there's actual strategy involved right you cut the ring in half there's all these things that we're we're used to in terms of tag tropes the triple threat tag team match, it leaves too many people uninvolved in what's happening, um, mm-hmm. in, in my opinion. So, And as, as great as all six of those guys are, there was going to be a limit to how good that can be. It's like a, like a, a straight-up triple threat match has the potential to be awesome. Um, just because three people working together, it, it just makes more sense, right? Like, like It's a smaller number, and then you can kind of figure things out. When there's six people involved, but you know more than half of them aren't really involved in the match, it, it, it just takes away focus because you're, you're paying attention to the other people as opposed to just what's going on in the ring. So it, yeah. it's just a strange recipe for success in, in general. Yeah, it, it just didn't, it didn't vibe with me. So <clears throat> hopefully they can rectify that going forward. I mean, 
Viking War Raiders of whatever are, are going to be the tag champs for the foreseeable future. <laughs> do you, do you future. think that they're a Game of Thrones tag team? <laughs> yeah. I, I keep feeling man, you're going to put them from like uh, like Winterfell or some shit at the end I, of your description of them. I mean, I just can't get that. Their name just drives me nuts. But I, I, I think Vince is really into them. And rightly so. They're really good. They are good, um, yeah. I think they're going to be the, the tag team champs for the foreseeable future. I don't, I don't see anybody kind of dethroning them, and I don't think it makes sense to dethrone them. I think you need to have them just run through people at, for a, at this for point. For a while, yeah. yeah. I mean, that I mean, with AOP coming back, though, that Raw tag division looking kind of nice. I mean, you got the yeah, War Raiders. We'll talk about, you got the we'll talk about that later. But, yeah, like, yeah, Mal I mean, AOP. the Raw tag team di- division is, is looking better than it did three months ago or be- two months ago. Because, so, uh, get this, actual tag teams. Yeah, <laughs> Shocking. I mean, who would have thought, right? Yeah. What a concept. Um, yeah, so, I mean, hopefully that things kind of pick up in, in, in the foreseeable future. And then lastly, the the one thing I wanted to touch on before we move on, and this is probably the last thing I didn't really like. I mean, the women's the, the triple threat women's match at Survivor Series wasn't great. Um, I think the finish is what bothered me the most. You put Shayna over and she didn't get a moment because you immediately have Becky put her through a table and it's like, what are we doing here? Like, yeah. If you're going to put Shayna over, just let her have her moment. You don't need to have her like get squashed immediately afterward and then go off the show with Becky's music playing. Didn't make any sense to me. Um, but the one, the big thing I wanted to talk about was that men's war game finish. Now, Champa putting Cole through a table from the top of the cage looked great. I popped for it. I thought it was awesome. But in hindsight, thinking about it, like I know Vince always talked about like he doesn't want to do the blood and guts thing like AEW does, where like they're doing. Uh, basically death matches on pay-per-views and, and they're actually showing like color, like they're, they're bleeding and, and you're not going to get that on WWE. But like to me, and a lot of people shared this sentiment on Twitter uh, right after, like this is, if not as dangerous, probably more dangerous than what AEW is doing. Because like this, as much as Ciampa protected Adam Cole, like that fall could seriously injure him. Like that's dangerous. And like, yeah, that- what there was a, I mean, I, I enjoyed the finish, and, and I don't think I had a, as big of a problem with it as you and everyone else on Twitter. Is because, like, I, I get trying to push the envelope in these matches. And, again, kind of echoing what we mentioned earlier, there, there is kind of a, at this point, there is a bit of a ceiling, right, because everything's been done. We've seen a couple moonsaults and dives off the top of the cage. We've now seen uh, Ciampa take Cole and slam him through the table. And you kind of knew a table spot was coming with them because the other three members went through a table. So mm-hmm. Cole's version had to be insane. And and given the way that they were trying to climb up the cage, like th- you kind of saw that coming. Um, and y- you know, like... It, it it was it was breathtaking, right? In in both aspects of the word, like it was breathtaking from the fact that like oh shit, like that that trust that Cole has in Champa, you know, for Champa to protect Cole, like that was awesome. Also breathtaking in the sense of like this is super dangerous, and I I, I wouldn't want anyone that I cared about to be in, involved in that spot. And you could kind of see that look on Britt Baker's face when they cut to oh, her yeah. in the crowd. And that was a big controversy, too, of them actually cutting to Britt Baker. And I think Triple H even commented afterwards, like, this wasn't a, a thing that they thought about. Like, it was just a director that went to the person with the most concerned look on their face and just so happened to be Britt Baker. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's is- crazy. If that's true, like, it, it probably isn't. But, like, if that was true, like, that's crazy. Yeah. Um. So I, I like I like yourself. I enjoyed the finish, and I, 
I think the solve for this kind of stuff more so is just, like you said, space out the war game stuff, right? Space mm-hmm. out Hell in a Cell because there's only a certain amount of those bumps that people can take before. And, like, look, if Ciampa missteps, like, we're talking, this is a whole different situation, right? Like, we're talking a potential tragedy. So, I think to, you know, we we do have to get back to more of like the wrestling stuff, especially with like a guy like Adam Cole, a guy like Tommaso Ciampa. Like they don't need war games or these shit, cages yeah. to have these epic, epic moments, right? Throw a ladder in there occasionally. Um, no holds barred. Like they, they'll think of other things. Um, and I think the solve simply is just you know war games may have to take a little bit of a break. Yeah, I, I just think they they don't need to do that kind of shit. Like they, those are two of the top wrestlers in the world. They don't need to be throwing themselves off the top of the cage. But it's also probably like, you know, they're thinking, when they're putting the match together, they're brainstorming, right? They're, they're, they're throwing shit against the wall and they're seeing what sticks. And those two guys were like, yeah, let, let's freaking try it. Let's freaking do mm-hmm. this because it's 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 that gifable moment, right? It's, yeah. it's ever since Mankind went through the top of the, or went off the top of the cage through the announce table, like that, that was probably one of the first holy shit moments, right? And yeah. that's that's the bar. Especially when a cage is involved, you you know, you you don't want to underwhelm. You don't you don't want a situation like Seth Rollins and the Fiend where you're le- yeah. you're you're left pissed. And that's you know these guys are out there to entertain. If you listen to them in all these interviews um, that they do, their number one goal at all times is just to entertain and 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 to kind of push the envelope to do stuff that people have never done before. And that's just kind of ingrained in their mindset and. It, the only way to pro- potentially protect themselves from that is to just take that option away uh, or at least make it less available. Yeah, and I think I, I would say like a lot of the, the criticism about it was like the hypocritical nature of what the sure. WWE was trying yeah, to do. Yeah. It's like you're going to say you don't want to do blood and guts, but like you're allowing this guy to fall off the top of a cage through a table. Like as much protection as there is, like that's still that he could still get a concussion. And then like he's working four nights in a row. Like Dude, that that's crazy. also crazy. Yeah. Like that's also something you got to take into account. It's like he's working SmackDown, he's working uh, Takeover, he's working Survivor Series, and he's gonna probably. He, I I don't recall, but he might have showed up on Raw too. Like if he's working three three nights in a row and he's doing that crazy shit, like that's like negligence on my like that's um, for me. Like you're not thinking about the talent. So uh, moving on, we got we we don't have any ad reads. I mean, we don't have to pay any bills. No, it's a uh, we're taking a Thanksgiving break from paying those bills. So yeah, <laughs> so let's let's run through these news and notes quickly. Uh, the big one, obviously, Seth Rollins is now officially a heel. You hear he that? turned That's finally mean. on Raw. The question is, is like, what did you actually think of it? Was it done correctly? I think this is a, this was a polar opposite turn than what he did with the Shield. Obviously, with the Shield, it was the shock and awe with the chair. This one. He went on. He had a speech in the middle of the ring and told everybody that they sucked, and that's how he turned. and And now he has, I would say, a stable now with with AOP. AOP. Well, it's like a loose stable. They didn't really finalize that. So, so what did you think of the turn? Obviously, it's different from 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 what how he turned with the Shield. And like, was it done the right way? And like, where do we go from here? Yeah, no, I thought uh, I forgot where I saw this or who I read it from. It might have been uh, Sean Rossap. Um, that basically Seth in the ring went full Seth on Twitter, right? Like that's that's the spot where Seth has gotten the biggest heat is on Twitter because he's just, you know, talking mad shit. And mm-hmm. that's basically what he did in the ring. 
um, on Monday. And I actually enjoyed it more because I, we were all waiting for him to just kind of turn in the ring. And he's he's had the in-ring shocking turn, right? Mm. This this just felt more natural in that, you know, he's the, the locker room leader and, you know, he, he, he basically has a big ego now. And I feel like that that fits him um, at, at this stage of his career, as opposed to like a shocking turn where we, we just got that, you know, like the two nights before. Yeah. With, uh, and we, and that's what I think we're more accustomed to is like the shocking turn. Like when Ambrose turned on him the night that Roman got or announced he was sick, like mm-hmm. that was crazy. And you just can't have that because like it'll lose its effect. Right. If you have have too many of them, especially in like a, a, a small four, a four, a four day span. So I, I did appreciate that it was it was different. And it, uh, it like you, you didn't know how to feel about it in the moment until Owens obviously stunned him. Um, mm-hmm. and, and you weren't sure. Like there was some gray area. You were, you were like, is he just being is he still being that fake good guy? Is this still like overly scripted? Um, but you know, obviously by night's end, we realize he is going full heel turn, and I, I, I enjoyed it. I, and but maybe that's just I've got these Seth Rollins goggles on, apparently, according to uh, my mentions and and DMs from people. Um, I mean, I I, I kind of agree with you, and and. and in real time, I was kind of upset because I wanted to see that shocking turn. I wanted to see him maybe attack uh, Kale or something along those lines. But I think there is, I think I could respect the the fact that they try to do something different from what they did the first time. So like they are doing a little bit of a different heel turn. They're building him up a little bit different. So I think obviously here the next stage is is Kale. Like you're you're that's your feud going forward. Maybe that's something they carry all the way over to WrestleMania. That'd and be fucking they're cool. going to have some amazing matches because those two guys. Really, go. really good. Yeah, super, yeah, and super, I, super I, I think solid. like, and then you have like the the story coming out that Vince was like really upset about Seth Rollins' CM Punk call out. Like, I think he's he was more upset at the fact that like they don't have a deal with CM Punk. And, like the the fact that they just can't put it together is probably why he's so upset about it. But like, if we're not going to get Seth versus CM Punk at, at at Mania, I think the next best next best thing is Seth versus KO, especially as they can really really like draw this out and make it as like a blood feud, if you will, like. I think this could be something that's really, really special, especially since KO is so over as this anti-hero and Seth is so good as a heel. Yeah, uh, I like that. And they don't need a title to have a really, really good feud and to have, you know, a potential match of the night at WrestleMania. So I'm all for this feud. And if if Seth is aligning himself with AOP, um, I I love that idea. I think Seth in a faction, has that's where he... Well, obviously, when he was with the Authority, that's when he really was at the top of his game, right? That was that was peak Seth as a character. That was you know he was at the top of his game, um, and he eventually found himself more as an in-ring performer as he went. But man, it's uh, it, it's it's about time, you know. As as someone who wasn't as down on Seth's uh, face work as as most, it, this is refreshing to kind of have him in this role. And again, I think they've benefited from. KO's face turn, right? Like I think mm-hmm. no one was expecting him to be this over, um, and that's probably why they hadn't turned Seth because they didn't have anyone to be that big baby face, and now they do. So yeah, really, really, really good stuff. And look, Vince is always upset when you talk about n- quote unquote non WWE people. Like whatever, he's gonna get over it, right? Like he, he's he, like the old man yelling at a cloud now, right? Like he, he he's Grandpa at Simpson at this point. And yeah, like he if he if he allowed CM Punk 
you know, if he gave the green light for Punk to be on backstage, like you're, you have to be delusional or stupid to not realize that everyone or someone in the company should reference him, right? Like Punk's talking about all of them. Why Mm -hmm. would they not talk about him? So that, that, that's just stupid. Um, another quick note, Lana signed a new deal. Good for her. Uh, you know, she claims it was a multi-million dollar deal. I don't, I don't actually know if that's true. I um, doubt it. <laughs> yeah, doubt it's, it. I, but the, the real quick, the uh, that Rusev Lashley segment wasn't that bad. It's, oh no, that was probably the best thing they've done in this whole entire feud. Well, yeah, because, that was because so there was, good. There was actually like an altercation. There was actually something yeah, that but happened. Like, Rusev in handcuffs was like really reminiscent of Stone Cold in handcuffs. Like they just really made him oh, look a lot like a of crazy great person. pictures, a lot of great images. Um, and yeah, they, I think they're they're taking on each other at Starcade, which I mean should be fine. I, I think they're gonna keep this going for a while, um, just because this is ironically one of their bigger feuds happening on Raw. And mm-hmm. that's been carrying them for a while, and maybe that's why. That maybe if this feud did anything, it probably propelled Seth to turn heel, so that the, their biggest feud could now be KO and Seth. Because yeah. The fact that that was their hottest feud was a little bit of a problem. Yeah, it was a. I mean, that was a big problem. I, this feud is it's 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 not great overall, but it, this one on Monday really kind of pushed it to a new level. So hopefully they can they can. Either get to a, a spot where they they can wrap this up and find a, a a solid ending, or like they just continue to bring this up to a new level. I, I think Raw like really helped that situation. Um, and, and speaking of Starcade, the Starcade event as a whole is starting to take a little bit more shape. Obviously, we have Rusev versus Lashley in a Last Man Standing match. Um, I'm sure, there's going to be some shenanigans where Lana gets involved there. Um, but the big match that that was announced recently was Kabuki Warriors to defend the tag titles versus Becky Charlotte. Sasha Bailey and Nikki Alexa. I mean, those are some top tier talent uh, getting involved in this match. And I think they're starting to build towards more of a uh, Alska Charlotte Flair feud because I mean they've been going at it. These they went over, they went at it at Survivor Series, and then they had the, the, Raw, the run yeah. in a Raw. It's like I think that's going to be a, a feud that they're going to lead into leading in, leading up to WrestleMania, especially if they're not going to do the four horsewomen thing. Um, so this could be interesting. I, I fully expect Kabuki to. to to keep the titles, but maybe they make Becky t- Becky two belts again. Well, I think what I saw is that wherever TLC is in December, they're advertising. I think it was like a triple threat women's tag team match with the Kabuki Warriors, Becky Charlotte, and I forgot who the third potential team was. Probably Nikki and Alexa. Um, but I do think they are pushing this towards Becky and Charlotte being the tag champs, like being those the classic tag champs who don't like each other. You know, like mm-hmm. the Shawn Michaels and uh, Stone Colds and or the Rock and Stone Colds of the world. I think it's it's definitely heading in that direction, um, especially with Kyrie Sane's future kind of up in the air still, from what yeah. we understand. Um, and if they are going that in that direction of Charlotte Oscar, then it, it would make sense to get the belts off the Kabuki Warriors and then have Becky Charlotte hold them for a while and eventually drop them. Uh, at some point, so I, I'm I'm into this, and you know, Starcade is shaping up to be pretty decent. I mean, obviously, they're only showing like an hour of whatever that house show is going to be where they're taping, but it it is it is it's looking solid. I, I'm I am looking forward to it. Speaking of tag titles, we've got the NXT tag titles on the line. Is t- is that tonight? That is that tonight. Is tonight? We, are, yeah. we are we are taping uh, 
early Wednesday morning because both of us have Thanksgiving plans and we wanted to get this out to the masses for their Thanksgiving travels. Um, so we've got the Undisputed Era taking on Keith Lee and Dominic Dijakovic. I think I still have Undisputed Era retaining here because I, you know, all four of those guys having the belts I think is a huge thing for NXT right now. But if if there was any time to put a belt on Keith Lee, it's now. It's now. I think they put the belts on him. I honestly think that this is the time that they they start taking belts off of UE for a potential move. Um, and I. I I would be totally into Keith Lee and Dominic Dijakovic. Again, as those tag team champions that may not like each other. Um, so I'm all in for it. Also, we have, I think there's a Cruiserweight title match tonight as well with with um, Leo Leo Rush and... Uh, Is it Garza again? No, it's uh, Tozawa, I think. Oh, okay. Um, Leo's going to win because they're, they're building towards Leo versus uh, Garza probably at the next takeover. Right. I think that feud is getting a little bit heated. So um, interesting things going on on the Wednesday Night Wars. Unfortunately, we won't be able to to recap them like we normally do. But AEW has some things going on, too. That I think there's MJF versus Hangman for the diamond ring thing, yeah. which is super bizarre. <laughs> but um, I, I mean, Wednesday night's going to be tonight's going to be really solid. So we'll see. With that, it was a busy, busy, busy weekend in wrestling. So with that, we're going to sign off. Uh, make sure that you follow us on social at Doesn't Matter Pod. That's pod, or follow us on Twitter at Doesn't Matter Pod. That's pod with a zero. Hopefully in the coming weeks we can get pod with a with an O. And we, look. Knock, knock on wood, everyone. Keep knock, your fingers knock crossed. On knock on wood. Any other superstitious thing that you do, do it so we can t- turn this zero into an O. It's, that'd be and, huge. <laughs> Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Doesn't Matter Podcast. You can follow me at Jeremy A. Loss. You can follow Ben at Cruise Control, and that's Control with a K. Uh, and, and, and again, if you have, if you want a sticker, we still have some. Reach out to us on social. And we'll make sure we get those out to you. Hey, they can make a pretty decent Christmas gift, or at least like a sticker on the wrapper for your Christmas gifts. There you go. Yeah, and if you're <laughs> if you're giving a friend a sticker. They must not be very good friends. Uh, Don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you download your podcasts. And if you're one of our fantastic Apple Podcast users, please, please, please rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts and leave a review. Also, I'm going to throw this out there because I was on another Blue Wire podcast. If you want to go for all my Warriors fans out there who are enjoying this tank palooza season, uh, I hopped on the Light Years podcast earlier this week. Uh, with my boy Andy Lou uh, and you know Jay, I promoted the show. I did my job. Hey, thank you. You know thank what I'm you. saying? Uh, you guys talk about the Lakers being 11 and two uh, or 12 and two? No, now? we don't. We don't talk about that fraud of a team. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Enjoy your championship. We're, we'll, we'll be back next season. And with that, we are going to sign off for this Thanksgiving holiday season. Um, If there's another wrestling podcast out there that put out a Thanksgiving episode for you for your drive. It doesn't matter what that podcast is called. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. We'll see you next week. Enjoy the holiday. Peace.